What is breaking the silence? What did Sumit Shukla and his cousin Nimesh Patel, an Emmy Award-nominated comedian and writer for Chris Rock, Hassan Minaj, and Saturday Night Live uncover when they teamed up to discuss the topic of South Asian men's mental health? What can we as South Asian Americans learn from the operating system analogy when looking at updating values, traditions, and behaviors passed down from our parents? Why are so many of us, males in particular, still running Windows 95? And what is South Asian Americans for change? What is the mission of this nonprofit organization, and how do they achieve it through online workshops, social events, and the Healing Through Art Gala to be held in March 2024? Stay tuned as we touch on these and many other topics on this week's episode of Untether Your Life. Welcome to Untether Your Life, a show that empowers you to break free of templates related to career, relationships, and managing mental and physical health, and looks at key issues impacting the South Asian diaspora. I am your host, Nikhil Torzakar, and I'm passionate about the power of conversation to catalyze change. Two years ago on this date was our first guest interview episode of Untether Your Life with clinical psychologist Dr. Josna Bhatt. We discussed mental health in the South Asian diaspora, expanding on themes covered in her insightful Psychology Today column. It's inspiring to see how many strides have been made in this field since then, especially through the work of South Asian Americans for Change. I was therefore very excited to connect with this week's guest, Sumit Shukla, who is one of the co-founders of this organization. In addition to this, Sumit is an accomplished pharmaceutical expert with nearly 15 years of industry experience, a dedicated husband and father, and a passionate mental health advocate. Driven by personal experiences with depression and anxiety and overcoming alcohol addiction, Sumit established SAAFC with a mission to dismantle mental health stigma and promote holistic well-being in the South Asian American community through arts, education, and community-building events. Breaking the Silence, Sumit's YouTube documentary series featuring renowned comedian Nimesh Patel and previous Untether Your Life guest Ankur Varma serves as a platform for raising awareness and sparking conversations on mental health, especially among South Asian men. And with that, let's get untethered. So Sumit, quite an amazing journey, an amazing story. Really grateful to our mutual friend, Sham, for putting us together. Is there anything else you want to add beyond what I'd shared? Yeah, I mean, on top of just South Asian Americans for Change and, and just the journey that I've been through, I just want to mention that I think the biggest thing that impacted me through my journey was community and, mm-hmm. and the relationship that I had. So I just wanted to point that out as, as kind of like one of the, the main focuses of how I got better in my life. And we'll definitely touch on that as we as we go forward here. So right now, SAFC is it's an amazing story. What you and Rupal have put into it, along with the other members of your team. So huge props to you for that because it's just I think it's something that's so vitally needed. But I think it always helps to kind of start at the beginning. Now, you know, there's a lot of overlap between our backgrounds in terms of our experience as you know, as they say, ABCDs. <laughs> what is it? American-born, confused ACs. Um, you know, growing up as second-generation uh, Indian immigrants, wanted right. to understand your journey, kind of you know, from childhood to present day, and maybe just kind of some of the events that shaped your need and your desire to have a greater focus on mental health. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity here. Uh, you know, honestly, me sharing my story and the reason why I decided to talk about this was to hopefully provide support or even, you know, confidence to somebody struggling right now. My story actually began, you know, as a child, I grew up in a, in a very a large traditional family, a lot of love, a lot of laughter, mm-hmm. so much happiness. But, you know, along with 
all of those great happy memories, you know, there, there's also the emotions of sadness, there's uh, anger, there's anxiety, there's stress, there's you know, all these other emotions that the traditional Indian household really doesn't recognize. Those kind of emotions impacted me from a very young age. And as I grew through college, I realized during college, I didn't know. But now looking back, you know, I was fairly depressed, I was severely stressed out and, and had high anxiety. That led to my, I guess, addiction to alcohol. I used it as a crutch, as as medication to just really numb the numb the emotions. Throughout college, that kind of was exacerbated, right? Because I went to Ohio State University and great football team, and the, that comes along with uh, great tailgating. So, right. you know, that, as we that, talked about, it's a very, it's a very wet campus, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a very wet campus. And, and you know, of course, I, I, I partook, if that's a word, <laughs> in those activities. And the funny thing is, you think once you graduate, you become an adult, and then you get a job and get married and everything's great. But that kind of like routine or, or even that need to go out on weekends or drink or go to a bar or anything like that really carried over into regular life outside of school. That then magnified. But luckily, I met my beautiful and smart wife, uh, Rupal, and we, we got married. And long story short, between our marriage to the birth of my son, our relationship was, you know, very up and down. I can tell you that the the drinking that I was doing and the, you know, the impact of the depression, anxiety really took a toll on our, on our relationship. We even talked about the you know, separation and divorce and all this stuff. But, you know, it was my wife that ultimately said, you know what, let's get you help. Uh, something's up. She found my therapist. That was it. That was the beginning of my kind of like mental health journey. That also took me to uh, rehab. I tried the therapist for a few years by itself and realized that I needed a little bit more help. And the decision was truly a family decision. I mean, I was dropped off by my cousin Nimesh, my mom, and and my, my wife was on the phone. It truly was a family kind of decision. Before you go into that, I wanted to make sure I understand a little bit more because, you know, you, that is really good to hear that it, this was a concerted team effort to help a loved one get help. It's very refreshing to see that support. But you talk about this a little bit in, in Breaking the Silence, the kind of like the traditional approach to mental health in Indian culture, which is just that it's it's not something we do, just kind of push through it and grind through it. What was your family's experience with mental health? I mean, was it something that they embraced historically or was it something that this was kind of a byproduct of your wife's efforts? The family you grow up in, the house that you live in as a child, you know, has a huge impact on, on what you learn, what you take in as your morals and values, right? So that being said, no, you know, my, my family, they were not aware of mental health and the impact of, you know, life on certain aspects of your life, right? It could, it could cause right. a lot of dysfunction. They were not aware of this. So growing up, it was more about <laughs> why is he, why is he acting this way? You know, like the, there was always like another uh, reason for it. You're not sleeping enough. You're not eating, you know, there's always something that comes yeah, up. I think I, I saw in one of your blogs, you guys had one that just cracked me up. It's like, drink some more water <laughs> or like, you know, anything, like, <laughs> right? You know, I love the Indian traditions. I'm a huge fan of, of all the holidays and I'm honestly a spiritual person and I believe in Hinduism. So it's not that I'm knocking tradition. What I'm saying is that due to the fact of our culture being used to suppressing these conversations through the years, it's become kind of you know, just avoid. There was just no conversation or even a reason to have that conversation, right? Because it was a blank, 
you know, they didn't even know it existed. That being said, my dad did tell me, you know, just be strong. You're not an alcoholic. You know, you don't man up. Man up, you can do it, bro. Like, you know, (laughs) right. And I believed him, right? Of course, I believed my pops, right? I needed that extra support. Let me ask you, I mean, you, you touch on a good topic here is there's always that comparison, right? And I think that there's a great quote by Teddy Roosevelt. It's uh, comparison is the thief of joy, which resonates with our group so deeply just because, you know, we are constantly being compared to our peers where it's like a show got into Princeton. How come you only got into Penn? What I always say is our GPA or our, our SAT score is kind of a proxy for the value that our parents assign to us. And I went through this myself where it's like, you know, if I got into a good business school and it's like all of a sudden the sun is shining on me, I'm the, I'm the golden child. And then it's like, you know, I don't get that promotion at work. Then I'm the black or brown sheep or, or what have you. So it is interesting. But the other factor of that is that we're comparing ourselves to our parents. And I'd love to hear more about what your journey was like, because that's something I always said to myself where it was like, why am I bitching and moaning about this? I mean, my parents had it so much harder. They had to come here with very little, you know, they had to fend for themselves. Is that something you encountered kind of growing up where, you know, you kind of felt the double whammy of kind of feeling inadequate, but then also matching up to your parents? Sure. I mean, listen, you see your, like, especially my parents, right? They immigrated here in the 1980s, straight out of high school, and they had me one year after, right? And then in 1985. So they went directly into the workforce. And, and what happens when you're uneducated and have just immigrated from a different country? You, know, you basically are strongly held starting at the bottom. Yeah, starting yeah, at the bottom. You're starting at the bottom. Basically, they, they worked in factories that, you know, my mom stayed at the same company making little nozzles for airplanes. They've done that for the, their entirety of their life. You know, my dad used to pick up newspapers and drop them off at, you know, random places. Like, and right. he would take me on these random trips at midnight, you know, on a Tuesday. It was weird to see that much hustle and focus on just trying to survive. That definitely had an impact on me, right? Because then I was like, okay, well, then I have to survive. The template so you're following, yeah. That survival mode immediately kind of like downloaded and stayed into my mind. And a lot of South Asian Americans have that same, that issue where we're, we're super type A and we yeah. very much stress about every little thing. And it's gotten us pretty far. And, you know, we've done the, we've done the best that we can here in America. And now comparing what's going on now versus, you know, our parents, it's a completely different environment. And then you also have to understand that our parents made a decision to come here and raise us and, and for a better life. Yes. Right. So, so should we not enjoy the better life that they've provided or helped provide or, you know, help set us in a track to success. You know what I mean? Me not taking advantage of my situation now is honestly backward. The way I look at it, and tell me your thoughts here, uh, Samit, the operating system analogy is the one I always go to because it's like, I think about our parents and the way their approach to parenting, their approach to life in general, which was very stoic, very, like we talked about, kind of suppressing trauma and just hustling through it. I think of it like an operating system, like you think about like Windows 95, and you think about how times change, people evolve, the world changes. And if you think about like trying to download like a YouTube video on Windows 95 on like one of those 14K modems, right? It's not going to be a very efficient process. And I think the analogy holds true for parenting and also just what it means to be in the South Asian uh, diaspora. Because think about it. I mean, if we tried to kind of adopt a lot of those mores and habits, 
that our parents did, I mean, we'd, we'd fall flat on our ass, you know? There's a book on my shelf, it's called The Body Keeps the Score. There's mm-hmm. this sense of like, when you just go through that stoic, just keep hustling and keep your head down, that's just a surefire recipe for disaster. I mean, if you look at the health, I don't know about your parents, but my parents, my in-laws, there's so many chronic health conditions that manifest because yeah. there was always this artificial distinction between mind and body when we know that they're all connected. Mm-hmm. And so I think that folks like you and myself and you know others in this community, I think it's really incumbent on us to be mindful of that. And when there is trauma, which you've done a beautiful job of, when there are hard issues to really take a hard look at that, Mm-hmm. Get the right community, mm-hmm. not just the community at the temple or you know what, whatever at the Diwali party because that can be toxic. But get the right group of people that can support you. And so that kind of dovetails into my discussion that I want to talk about next, which is SAAFC. I've seen the documentary. I've seen you know some of the clips you got. You guys are doing some incredible work. I'd love it for people who are listening who may not be familiar with it. If you could tell me about SAAFC, kind of what the genesis of that was what you guys are up to now and kind of what your what your mission is for uh, 24 and beyond. South Asian Americans for Change uh, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we're committed to dismantling stigma of mental health. And we promote emotional, physical, social well-being through arts, education, and community building events. That's the, you know, the written mission uh, on our website. Now, as far as the inception of, of South Asian Americans for Change, you know, that, 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 that's a great story. And it's, it's truly magical, almost, the way sure. that it happened. There's two kind of pads that hit each other. So my, my wife, Rupal, and uh, our friend, Kirthi, Kirthi and Rupal went to college together. So they were really close friends, and they stayed in touch throughout their entire lives. Mm-hmm. So that group uh, of friends through college, they really stayed together. They, they were like competitive. They did comparative dance and, and really did well together. And, what do they do? Do they, do they do Garba or Ross or what, what kind of dance? It, it, was, it was Bollywood Fusion. And uh, RuPaul was actually captain for one of the years, I think. It was really cool uh, to see her and the team come together and, and perform for hundreds of people, right? It's cool to see that still happening today because that's honestly what happened. Kirthi and, and Rupal always discussed as uh, students that they wanted to make some sort of impact on, on our community. And then me going through my mental health journey and, and really learning about myself and self-care and emotional intelligence and the impact of generational trauma and what that can do to my my now son, knowing all of that, my mission in life immediately turned into, you know, I have to break the cycle. I need to stop it now, right? Like if I don't do it, then then it's not going to be done for this family. Mm -hmm. I had to make a decision. So I just made the decision of, you know, I told my wife we were sitting on our roof in Philly, uh, looking at an amazing view. It it was one of those nights that, that you thought was magical. And it felt that way too. And I mentioned, hey, I want to open, I want to do something in mental health. I want to help people, mm-hmm. some sort of organization. And a few days later, Rupal and Kirthi come to me and they're like, hey, we want to do something too. <laughs> so yeah. would you want to be a, a co-founder with us? And uh, I was like, yeah, 100%. You know, honestly, that's how it truly started. And then slowly, those friends that I talked about in college, they randomly just started moving to Philadelphia without being asked. Some folks had job transfers. Some folks had, you know, family in Pennsylvania that they wanted to come back to. SARS kind of aligned, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. SARS aligned and truly the right people at the right time came together and became the board that we have now. And it's been the same 
10 people from day one. What I like to mention is our board is, it's not just a bunch of people that are educated and, and that can you know, really run a nonprofit, right? That they're, they're very, mm-hmm. their credentials are great. What they do in their professional life is wonderful. But on top of that, they all have their own reasons why they want to do this. And that is why I think it keeps us together is because we keep reminding each other, I don't see this South Asian Americans for Change as a organization for me. It's more of a platform. And I say this all the time because I want people to understand that, that, you know, we're open for business. Like come through, talk about what you want to talk about and let's truly advocate. If there's one thing that Indian people know how to do and that getting together and collaborating, if you think about it, all our parents and grandparents had to find that one Indian person in town to figure out where to buy, you know, the vegetables that they need. They had to survive that way too. So why can't we take that template, right? That's the good template of community. Take that and apply it to our generation or even the next generation and take care of our mental health, our physical health, Mm -hmm. our social well-being, really understand ourselves. That brings not only one person joy, it brings everyone joy, which then can lead to a truly community-based success. Yeah. Whatever they want to do, they can do. So this is honestly a platform and it's for the people. Yeah. I mean, you're bringing up a great point, Sumit. I mean, it's that, you know, and, and it, it can get pretty heavy and dreary when we talk about generational trauma, the model minority myth, which is all valid stuff. But what I always tell my kids or when I'm talking about my story, we do also have to look at the positive is just that, yeah. you know, we as a people came to this country with the odds stacked against us. And in right. a generation, I mean, we've, what's the saying? We started from the bottom. Now we're here. I mean, it's like, we literally yeah. like are the most successful socioeconomic demographic. And that, exactly. that wasn't by accident. You know, that was no. because we leveraged that collective energy. We leveraged the power of community. And so, yeah, I think that it's very heartwarming to see, you know, when people come together and I think your board is, it's like 10 people or something, right? So, I mean, yeah. pretty impressive headcount and what you guys are doing. I want to hear more about some of these events. Yeah. So, so like I mentioned, we incorporate art, community building, and education in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. The upcoming event that we have is our annual uh, gala. So, mm-hmm. it's the Healing Through Art Gala. And that is going to be on March 2nd of 2024 at the Tendenza in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You know, more information is on our website, saaforchange.org, if you want to get some more information there. But that gala is truly the only fundraising that we do on a yearly basis. All of the events throughout the year are free. And some of the things that we've done in the past uh, and that will continue in the future are uh, events like the event that we had with Nina Dabaluri on colorism. We invited her and and we screened her documentary and had a, a live kind of conversation with a intimate group of people, you know, uh, less than 100, almost 50 people truly getting together and having the opportunity to talk to somebody that has been in the spotlight, uh, has worked in politics, been around uh, and knows knows a lot. Um, that's just one type of event. And then you mentioned uh, the series, Breaking the Silence. We had an event around that where it was uh, more kind of like a get together where we screened an episode of that and, you know, spoke to the audience about it. Those are just some some of the events that were have happened uh, moving mm-hmm. forward. 2024 looks amazing. Uh, it, you know, we're, we're super focused on this gala March 2nd. But right after this gala is done, the board has a, a retreat where we all get together and we plan out 2024. And, and I can tell you that 
you know, some really cool stuff going on. There's talks about a possibility of a comedy show with some well-known people. Talks about filming a new episode of, of Breaking the Silence. As a creator, I have written down at least four or five episodes so far. So uh, that being said, we're hoping that we can get more content and start filming in 2024 again. And then also, you know, on the educational front, all of our workshops are free. So in 2023, we held many workshops that showcased therapists or South Asian American coaches or those that are that are in the field providing education to community in a virtual platform. So yeah. That'll continue in 2024, but I think we're going to expand into thinking and, and researching more into community uh, relationships, friendships, love, hate, how people interact. What are the benefits of community? That being said, 2024 looks very bright. You know, starting it off is going to be this gala. It's just so incredible to see the connections and synergies that are just popping up all over the place. And I, I'm bringing that up because breaking the silence, one of the participants in that documentary was Ankur Varma, who's you know the founder of Brown Man Therapy. He's been a guest on the show. And I just really enjoyed that whole documentary. And if you could talk to us a little bit more about that, just kind of you know what it's all about, what the plans are uh, going forward with, uh, with the documentary. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So Ankur, uh, thanks for, for mentioning him. He's a, he's a great guy, super well-informed, uh, truly professional. I met him, I believe he reached out via Instagram and we set up a meeting. Uh, initially, you know, we were both just, okay, so he's got Brown and Therapy and we've got South Asian Americans for Change. How can we make an impact together? Uh, the, the creative kind of like light bulb went off and, and I thought there's been a lot of talk about men and mental health and how, you know, we should prioritize that, you know, not only for ourselves, but for our families, for, for mm -hmm. our friends, uh, the things that we say and, and do truly impact others. So, so as men, you know, I wanted to just show, you know, whoever was ready to look and listen that men do talk about mental health. Men do have issues. Men are willing to speak up. And it's a, it, I just wanted to show that that it's a it's a new world now, and we're ready to explore and and be part of the growth and the progress of a of the community. I think we're tired of as as men tired of being put in a box of you must be this Indian man who is super yeah, strong, toxic masculinity, yeah, and yeah, patriarchy. Toxic. Exactly. We don't talk about it. We shouldn't be talking about emotions. We should be putting on a, a strong basketball band. <laughs> Exactly. Play some basketball or go watch, you know, watch football, all day. anything to turn the mind off. But mm -hmm. it's changing. And it's it's not only changing in, in those that are in the field, but talk about uh, my family, for instance, just from me doing my journey and going to rehab and talking about it. You know, that that's opened a lot of conversations within the family. And a lot of them have started therapy and, and have started to take care of themselves even better. So, yeah, it, it's been wonderful. I think, yeah, the timing is kind of curious because it's literally almost almost exactly a year since I interviewed Ankur. I think the episode came out in February. And this is before I knew about SAFC. And I remember talking to him and, and we were both like, yeah, you know, 2023, I think the tide is going to change and there's going to be more awareness on men's mental health. But I got to be honest. I mean, I know that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and things aren't going to come perfect overnight. But I got to tell you, I mean, I think it's still a very lopsided equation, right? I still think that when it comes to South Asian mental health, the bulk of attention is always, you know, it just seems to be either the dialogue is happening amongst women and, and which is of course wonderful in, in all its forms, but 
I personally would love to hear your thoughts. I mean, I feel like there is still, you know, a lot of room for improvement. Wanted to hear your thoughts and maybe, you know, why that might be, you know, what the reasoning is for the, you know, maybe the absence of dialogue and awareness around mental health with South Asian men. Yeah, yeah. What kind of like changed for me in my mind was the thought of, oh my God, what will people think of me turned off immediately when I put myself in a position where I was responsible for a child Mm. or, or even responsible for others that are around me, you know, throughout my downward spiral. I've hurt multiple people uh, in my life. And and that's the thing that I don't want to do anymore. I kind of took a look at myself to figure out if I can do it. I'm sure somebody else can think about their own emotional (laughs) well-being and try to make the right steps to be a better person. I, I do agree. There are, you know, women do talk about their lives a lot more. I was actually talking to my wife and, and here's the, uh, the other day we went out and she's like, yeah, I asked them. I was like, so you guys just really get together and just like talk about everything. Like, how does it begin? And they're like, yeah. she's like, we just Born start. I get it because I've done it now with other dudes, right? Like one-on-one mm-hmm. or even like in a group, pretty easy once you get started. But I think the tide is turning. Unfortunately, we've been, uh, like I said, put in a box and and kind of molded into this representation of what a South Asian American man should be. To tell you the truth, I'm sick of it. An outdated operating system. Like we're not, you know, we're still running Windows 95 with a lot of stuff. (laughs) I'm sick of it. You know what I mean? Like I want to just do whatever I want to do and feel good about it. If I want to cry for uh, in a movie i'm gonna cry you know what i mean right. I, i'm gonna i'm gonna wear nice clothes and, and you know, dress up and do good things for myself because it makes me feel better you know uh, i think men are, are going to start and and they're starting right now um, they're gonna stop being so not scared but just the confidence and will stoic, rise stoic and walled off yeah yeah that wall will crumble just because it's needed so look i'm gonna say there's what half male half female in the world if like half of the world isn't doing its job, then we're not getting anywhere. That's 50%. Like, come on, guys, let's step up and help because Mm -hmm. this life that we're living is difficult. Everybody's got issues. Everybody's got ups and downs, right? But if we can all be on the same page intellectually, uh, mentally, physically, uh, and really just kind of stop the the stigma, stop the kind of traditional thinking, we would be setting us, ourselves up for a lot of success. And, and that's one reason why I think men should, should start, start working on themselves. And if that's not enough, I've also seen huge improvements at, at work, man, like using emotional intelligence to really understand somebody at work that you're working with to figure out what are they feeling so that I can better communicate what I need to communicate to this person so I can get my my stuff done. But at the same time, I like to, I'm a people person. So I like to turn it into kind of more of a relationship almost uh, mm-hmm. with my coworkers and, and and just knowing how to, you know, regulate yourself in the, in the work environment is super helpful. So, so that, that's a selling point. If, if any of the dudes that are listening, uh, it's good for you know. business. It's, yeah, it's good for business. It'll help you get that raise. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Emotional intelligence, I think, is so important. And people are kind of wedded to this notion of just go, go, go and achievement, achievement. But yeah, I mean, I think when you start to understand other people's motivations, both positive and negative, like if you start to understand, for instance, somebody comes from a broken family, well, 
chances are they're on guard. You know, their sense of security might be a little bit less. They might feel a little bit vulnerable. So you kind of have to modify your method of collaborating with them, not make it so top down and adversarial. I don't know if you're familiar with that Maslow's hierarchy of, of needs, but it's really about at the bottom of that is safety and security because, okay. you know, achieving your goals and achieving your higher self, all that stuff we call woo woo. I mean, that's kind of at the top, but yeah. until you have that safety and security, you're, you're not going to be able to, to make it to the mountaintop. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And, you know, kind of shifting gears a little bit here. So I mean, one of the things that when I think about mental health, uh, I think about it as like physical health. I mean, it's all incumbent upon a well-balanced diet. So like someone, for instance, who would like with the food analogy, someone who constantly eats protein or someone who constantly eats carbs or whatever. I mean, they're they're not setting themselves up for success. Similarly with mental health, there's so many different components to it. There's the right therapist, there's the right medication. And then there are things that get overlooked, like your relationships, your community, right? Because what I always say is like, even if you have the best therapist, you have the right medication, if you go back to a toxic relationship, I talked about it with on an IG live with uh, Joe Snapot, who I you guys had connected yeah. as well. It's really counterproductive because at the end of the day, you're going to go back and you're going to go into that toxic ecosystem, and it's basically going to diminish any progress you've made in therapy. So I'm right. bringing all this up, Sumit, because I want to understand for you what has been kind of the elements of a well balanced uh, mental health diet. That's a great question, man, because it just like you said, it's not just one thing, dude. It's like a it's and I like to say it the way I say it is like I'm stacking my my support, stacking it with therapy. I got, you know, medical management or medicine management. I got my family. I got my friends. I got my wife. I got my son. I got, you know, like yeah. you just stack all the things that, you know, will help you. You know, for example, add meditation to your life. I've done that recently and I found it to be, you know, super helpful uh, to just take, you know, some time for yourself and just relax and, and really just become almost an empty mind. Kind of uh, press pause on life is the way yeah. I, I refer to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like you can turn your brain. That's a machine that's like, you know, constantly on, you can maybe pause it for a little bit. Right. And, and that feels good. Maybe add uh, something that you enjoy doing. Like for in instance, I found when we first got our dog, I not hate, but like, you know, annoyed that I'd have to, you know, take him out every like three, four times. Right. Like, especially when right. I was but now, you know, I take joy in just like walking him down to the park because if you don't enjoy that moment, the next moment that you have is what you're going to go back home and you're going to start work mm -hmm. or you're going to go back home and you're, you're going to start talking to your wife or, or your your significant other and you're going to get back into that fight or that conversation that you had. So why are you not taking advantage of that 15 minutes that you have to go walk your dog for yourself? Nobody is around you. Nobody can tell that you're using that time for yourself. Like nobody, ain't right. nobody looking at you. <laughs> you're not that important. Right. right. <laughs> but walking down the street, really be present. That's what I've been doing at least and adding that to my things to do. And also journaling. Mm -hmm. I like to write not only to help myself, but creative writing, you know, obviously breaking the silence came out of me writing for, for years. I started my mental health journey. I, I haven't stopped writing. Uh, since day one. And it's been, it's been amazing. So yeah, I've added that. So there's a lot of things that can help support what you're trying to do and, and what you're trying to accomplish uh, mentally and also physically. For instance, you, you can go for a run and up until recently, 
all we kind of said was, oh, yeah, it's great for your heart or it's great for, you know, losing weight or, you know, mm -hmm. it's great for stamina. Like, go run a marathon. Like, oh, wow, you must be really fit. You know what I mean? Like, but if you think about it, running a marathon, right, is truly just time for yourself to really meditate as you're going, going through something like a struggle, right? Because, you know, running a marathon is hard. So yeah. as you're doing that, you're truly teaching yourself how to meditate and, and get through a hard time. And that will, you know, mirror life uh, when you have situations like that. Yeah, you brought up a great point. I mean, because when people think about mindfulness and meditation, they get scared. A lot of times people are like, oh man, you know, and I got to invest in yoga pants and <laughs> I got to like, you know, do this crazy downward dog yeah. position. And I think people miss the point where it's about starting small and it's really about finding that mindfulness in small moments. This is a stupid example. This sounds very strange, but I actually enjoy washing dishes. The reason is it's this meditative practice where I can listen to a podcast or I can just just a simple crossing something off my list and I've just kind of immersed myself in something and, and like you said, took yourself away from that next fight or <laughs> that next interaction maybe, you know, just kind of pressing pause. So I think, yeah, it's all about the analogy, like the statement I made before, Rome wasn't built in a day. You're not going to become the Dalai Lama overnight, but I think if you embrace those moments of tranquility especially in this notification overloaded world that we live in. You know, I yeah. think that that you're definitely setting yourself up on the on the road to success yeah. for sure. I'm for glad sure. you said that metaphor about the dishes because I like doing yeah. dishes. <laughs> yeah, isn't that <laughs> weird? Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a task that you know will be successful. Right. And task that you can slowly do and, and use that time wisely, podcasts or, or whatnot. I like to joke, I think my wife brought it up in therapy. So mm -hmm. my wife and I also do couples therapy. So it's like another support level, right? Um, in, in therapy, uh, she brought up the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm so focused on, on doing the dishes so right, like perfectly. And I was like, so, so what's so bad about me knowing how to put every single dish in the dishwasher perfectly? Like, how is that a bad thing, therapist? Yeah. Tell me. <laughs> this sounds like a BTS or something, man. You got yeah. to, uh, I should recreate that, I think. That, yeah. That would, that, would go, that would go viral, probably. Yeah. I, I will tell you that one of the things about Breaking the Silence, I mean, it's such a well-done documentary, but one thing I want to really give a shout-out to you and, uh, and your cousin, a lot of people, when, when they hear about uh, Nimesh Patel, he can get pretty raw and he can get pretty unfiltered and, you know, he, he can piss off a lot of people. I'm sure the people at Columbia University would agree, but I was really amazed and just really a lot of respect to both of you for opening up in that side, you know, because I think, because my takeaway from that was, I mean, I don't know Nimesh, but my point is it's like if someone whose whole MO and their brand is predicated on this no holds barred, unfiltered thing, and if he's willing to show that side of himself, that vulnerable side, then I think, you know, anybody, anybody can do it. So, you know, props to yeah. you both for really taking us on that journey and kind of showing what that could look like, you know, in terms of owning up, because he talks about like how the benefits for his stand up too. Right. I mean, and then you yeah. touched on this as well, is that this is not just about getting all touchy feely. This is about improving your mental performance. So think of right. it almost like working out, you know, just uh, or stretching before a run. Think of it as mental calisthenics, if you will. Even put it into perspective of like, you know, the professional athletes that we watch uh, on TV, mm -hmm. like they're practicing every single day of their life. This one thing, I guarantee you these guys 
are thinking about how their mental health is impacting their game. That being said, if, if like athletes are out there doing every single thing that they can to be the best person or best athlete that they can, right? Why can't we just do that for like me being a good person? Today, I will not be a bad person. I will say hi to everyone, open mm-hmm. doors and smile, right? Like, it's going to make me feel better. These are just decisions that you have to make and, and then continually practice it. Yeah, it's like, I think the term is uh, habit stacking, you know, yeah. simple things like kind of building on that, uh, doing dishes. There's a whole science behind, I don't remember, I think it was Admiral McRaven. He wrote a book or he gave a speech, but literally the power of like making your bed in the morning, you know, yeah. something you've started your day off for success and you've accomplished something, right? So it's kind of like you've already set yourself up for success. Yeah. I mean, it's always like they say the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. I do want to talk about, uh, or at least comment on on Nimesh Mm -hmm. and that relationship there, just because I think it's important. Yeah. So, so I do want to shout out Nimesh Patel for providing his story, being vulnerable and open. He honestly did that to not only show that it could be done and, and support me, but it wasn't like, you know, fate, you know, he was, he actually started therapy because I went to rehab. Oh, wow. I, I wasn't aware of that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so that so was he, kind of like the catalyst for him then it sounds yeah, like. Yeah. My shit got him worried. <laughs> wow. okay. Well, not worried, but he, he right, was just right. like, okay, well. It was a wake up call basically, right? Yeah, he's so, like, well, yeah. if I grew up with this guy in the same house, right? So me and Nimesh growing up as children, we lived in the same house almost, uh, grew up in the same town. He, he was like, well, if I was around him then, uh, you know, I should probably go talk to someone too, right? <laughs> See what's going on, right? And it turns out that in the episode, he mentions the the, the positive impacts of it. So I do want to shout him out for, for that incredible step that he took to really show the world that, look, you know, you can be funny, you can be bold and fast and loose, just like his tour. But at the same time, you know, you could also be vulnerable. You can be sensitive. You can, you can think about yourself. You can think about others. And, and that's just part of being a human, not an actor, not a comedian, not a a project manager, not a podcast host. We're just humans and, and we should act like that. He's an instructive example because what they say about a lot of comedians is that they have learned to process their trauma through stand up. you know, because it's like, a lot of these people like Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, I mean, they went through some awful times, especially Jim Carrey. You know, he was homeless as a kid and really yeah. dealt with a lot of demons. What I'm hoping more people will do, people in that type of role, people who are sort of like the, I don't want to like diminish it, but like the sad clown, right? Where it's like <laughs> they're laughing on the outside, but crying on the inside. You know, yeah. I am hoping that people take a cue from your cousin and and start to go down that road of reflection and just dealing with their stuff. There was one question that, you know, if you've heard this podcast before, this is a question I ask all my guests. The title of this podcast is, as you know, Untether Your Life. And Mm -hmm. it's about empowering the listener to break free of templates for career, relationships, managing mental health. I think you've done an amazing job of this with your journey because obviously confronting your own challenges with mental health, starting a movement, really starting something, starting a community that is really going to move the needle for South Asians. How would you encourage the listener to untether their life uh, based on what you've been through? Yeah, yeah, surely. Uh, when I was, like I mentioned, uh, struggling, having to untether anything or do anything is hard. So that's where that support system comes in. The, those folks that 
are thinking clearly those the folks that are around you that that kind of know you or or even uh see you on a daily basis right like it can be your support system if you let them be if you let them in yeah if, if you uh lower that ego uh, a little bit you know lower the uh the thought of oh i can do this myself why not i can i did everything else myself right i've been through all the shit all the hardship by myself i can do this but Turns out you can't. That instance of support is where it all kind of like, I think, jumps forward. Uh, it's mm-hmm. kind of like the uh, launching pad um, into untethering your life. I think another aspect of it is as you slowly gain more perspective of, of who you are, uh, who you want to be, who you want to be around, the cool part about it is you get to choose your new life. That to me was when I realized that I am given almost kind of like a second chance, if you may. Um, it feels like you have a another uh, chance to to do something that you weren't capable of doing in the past. And, and knowing that you have that capability after you start working on yourself, it helps you accelerate that kind of untethering, right? Because then you're like, holy shit, this feels amazing. And now my relationship with my wife is great. Uh, that's awesome. But what else can I fix? Right. Or mm-hmm. uh, I'm doing well at work now because blah, blah, blah. Right. And what else can I do? So that untethering is kind of like a, it, it's kind of like a domino effect, right? You start, yeah. you start at one place and, and then it's, it kind of just ripples keep... outward. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that, that I learned from this process was even though life day to day may seem difficult, it ain't that serious. For example, your day to day, you know, at the end of the day, you may say, oh, crap, I had a shitty day, you know, this, that, this and that happened, blah, blah, blah. You're still going to sleep. You're still going to wake up. There's still going to be a second chance. You know, nobody's putting you in jail because you didn't send that status report to your boss. Yes, report. You know yeah, yeah. You're going to be fine. Yeah, tomorrow's going to be perspective. Different. Yeah, it's about perspective, gratitude, all that. I think this is, right. again, that could be an episode in and of itself. I really enjoyed this discussion. I hope you did as well. And I know it's going to resonate with our audience. Now, if people want to find out more about you, find out more about SAAFC, what's the best place for them to go? Yeah. So so we have two spots that you can learn about South Asian Americans for Change. I would first suggest uh, checking out Instagram. Um, our handle is SAA for Change, and that's F-O-R Change. And that's where you know, Instagram is where we kind of like drop the latest news, uh, the updates on tickets, the updates on events. And then the second place I would suggest is our website, saa4change.org. And that's where you'll find uh, access to buying tickets and even more information on, on what we've done and, and what we're planning on doing. So I, I would love for your guests to, to check us out. And this is for everyone else. You know, this is for the community. South Asian Americans for Change is a platform that we may call ourselves founders, but it doesn't work without the community. We're trying to help and we need help to help. <laughs> mm-hmm. Teamwork makes the dream work. Exactly. I always say. All right. Well, Sumi, thanks so much again. This was, I really enjoyed this discussion. Really excited to see what uh, you and the SAAFC team uh, comes up with in 24 and beyond. So thanks again. Yeah, no worries. I just want to give a shout out to the board, South Asian Americans for Change. I want to shout them out as well as let everybody know March 2nd. Okay. The gala is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Check us out on Instagram. All the information is there. Thank you. Yep. Well, this will all I'll be in the show notes as well. So thanks again, man. Thanks, brother. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. For more of these types of conversations, please visit us at untetheryourlife.co. 
You can also find us on Instagram at Untether Your Life, as well as on Apple, Spotify, and other platforms by searching for Untether Your Life. And if you did enjoy this episode, please leave us a review or share it with someone who might also benefit. Thanks, and until the next time we meet, stay untethered.